Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. It's time now for our Thursday edition of Asian Insider. And today we are going to turn our attention to headlines coming out of Japan. Pretty significant weekend we're set up for because the upper house election is happening this weekend, July the 10th, in fact. Japan's ruling coalition is it headed for victory. And can Prime Minister Fumio Kishida's ruling party extend the number of seats that it currently holds on to? Let's get more context on this from Walter Sim, Japan correspondent for The Straits Times. Walter. Good morning, how are you? Good morning, I'm doing good. How are you? Very good. I'm very jealous of you because you're living in Japan. I love Japan. (laughs) Uh, But it's a huge weekend, the upper house election. I guess to start us off, Japanese politics, not something that perhaps everyone is so into. Tell us about the significance of this weekend and exactly what's the working behind this. Sure, you're right. It can get a little bit complicated. Yeah. But let me just try to simplify the political process a little. So, in a nutshell, Japan's diet, as its parliamentary body is known, is divided into two chambers. There's the lower house and there is the upper house. So the lower house, which is also known as the House of Representatives, is seen as the more powerful of the two chambers. It has the authority to, among other things, formulate the national budget and so on. So lawmakers in this 465-seat chamber, they serve four-year terms and the house can be dissolved for a snap election. What is happening this Sunday is an election for the upper house, which is known as the House of Councillors. And in the upper house, there are 248 seats where lawmakers serve fixed six-year terms, the House cannot be dissolved. So what happens is that bills or legislation that are passed by the lower house have to be approved by the upper house before they actually become law. So this also means that a divided parliament can lead to gridlock in the political process. And this was the case from 2007 to 2012 when, you know, Japan had this cycle of revolving door of prime ministers. So every three years, half of the upper house goes up for election. There are 125 seats up for contest in the poll on Sunday, including one to fill vacancy. Okay. So the Prime Minister Fumio Kishida, he of course is the ruling Liberal Democratic Party leader, the LDP. There seems to be a bit of consensus that they would likely win. Could you give us a bit of context or perspective on that? Any clear indication? And also, what does that mean? What does an LDP victory mean in terms of the political scene for Japan? Right. There is a very clear consensus and as you pointed out, a string of at least five media surveys over the last couple of days all had the same outcome and that is a convincing win for the ruling LDP and Komito coalition. A lot of this has actually to do with a weak and disjointed opposition which has been plagued by a lot of infighting and Mm. there has been a loss of trust with the public. What this means is that Prime Minister Fumio Kishida is poised to weather the headwinds that might trouble ruling parties elsewhere in the world. So he faces rising inflation. There was an energy crunch last week that had led to calls to ration electricity. There are early signs of a seventh COVID-19 wave in Japan, but the LDP appears poised to weather these headwinds. Going forward, in case of a convincing win, I think it would help Mr. Kishida cement his position within the LDP itself. He has been generally regarded as 
a consensus candidate because within the LDP, there are like factions yeah. led by different people. And Mr. Kijita's faction is in fact just the fourth largest. So he relies a lot on bartering amongst different party faction leaders in terms of policy making, policy ideas and whatnot. So a convincing mandate would help him cement his position within the party. And in case of a massive convincing win, Mr. Kishida will also get three years to leave his smoke on policy since no national election will be due until 2025, barring, of course, any plunge in approval that leads to the need for a snap election. Even the domestic media, noting how rare such a prolonged period is, have termed this a golden era for Mr. Kishida. I think it remains to be seen how he can capitalise on that. Mm-hmm. It's safe to assume that top of his list, once all this is said and done, would be to deal with the inflation situation, as you mentioned earlier on. That's right, definitely. And the opposition has tried to shape the narrative by casting the okay. current rise in prices as the Kishida inflation as yeah. well, but that has not put any dent yeah. in the fortunes. Yeah, I'm sure you would prefer to be known uh, as someone who came up with the Abenomics, for example. <laughs> exactly. What a very interesting situation happening. And I came across this. So women representation in Japan's government. Now, if you look at the group of seven nations, right, it's actually the lowest representation. And we are talking about Japan here. The fact that there is representation right. is worth talking about. So this election sees a record of 181 women running for a seat. I mean, what are we expecting here? Yes, you're right in pointing out there's a record 181 women and this amounts to a high of 33%. So one in three of the 545 candidates this time are women. To be honest, expectations are quite muted, though I can't help but wonder if this could be a harbinger of change. So in 2018, Japan passed this non-binding law that calls on political parties to, as far as possible, ensure that they fill equal numbers of male and female candidates in elections. So the LDP is fielding 82 candidates in total this time, of whom just 19 or 23% are women. But this is already up 8.5 percentage points from the last election. I think this is a sign of progress. And it also must be recognised that the LDP faces inherent hurdles in fielding female candidates, unlike the opposition, because it has so many male incumbents that are not up for retirement. Yeah. I think the fact that there's this charm shows progress. It is some evolution in terms of Japanese politics. And I mean, have you heard anything? And it's okay if you haven't. Have you heard anything in terms of like, you know, on the ground, how people feel about this women representation, so-called sense of equality slash diversity? Right. It really depends on whom you're speaking sure, to. Sure. And I think a lot of women see it as, well, without wanting to generalise, I think a lot of women, a lot of progressives see it as early signs of a more equal society. Mm. And I think this is quite huge because it's a sign of empowerment and what has traditionally been a very male-dominated society. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, so there is also another issue of the Okinawa prefectural constituency. Because there is a battle for a seat available in the Okinawa prefectural constituency in the upper house election, if let's say we've got an LDP victory, how does that affect the governor elections? I believe this is happening, I don't know, September or so this year? Yes, it's due in September and Okinawa is 
quite an important battleground, I think. Yeah. And it's very important, so much so that even Prime Minister Kishter himself campaigned there for this yeah. upper house selection. So I, I think that's why there's so much attention on it. And I think a lot of Singaporeans will also know Okinawa personally from personal visits. <laughs> but Okinawa, yes, it has been ground for the opposition because there's this very uneasy relationship going on between the locals and the outside presence of the US military mm. in Okinawa. Okinawa has just 0.6% of Japan's land mass, but it holds 70% of US bases in Japan. And the US military presence has been blamed for all kinds of things, be it high-profile crime, be it water pollution, be it noise pollution and whatnot. So this complicated relationship has kind of reared its head in long delayed plans to relocate a U.S. base in Okinawa. Okinawa government, Danny Tamaki, who leads the so-called opposition All Okinawa Group, is the face of this opposition against the move. So if the LDP were to win the upper house election, I think it would give the LDP a lot of momentum going into the September gubernatorial elections where Mr. Danny Tamaki is up for re-election. And the LDP would see a chance, I think, because the priorities of Okinawan voters are kind of changing. Yeah. There's, a, of course, a changing security landscape and many Okinawans appear more willing to tolerate increased military presence there if only out of circumstance, of course. And Okinawa has Japan's highest poverty rates. It has Japan's lowest minimum wage. And so the LDP with far deeper coffers, I think, can promise a lot more things than the opposition can in terms of, say, welfare initiatives. Sure, very interesting uh, development as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walter Sim, Japan correspondent for the Straits Times on the line with me. Walter, appreciate your time this morning. You take care and have a great day ahead. Hey, thank you very much. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.